why won't my therapist just tell me what to do? Why won't my therapist just tell me what to do? Why won't they just tell me what to do? It's hard to hear the phrase without hearing the underlying desperation and need, the hope for instant relief, and maybe too anger. Anger at someone who holds the answers but just won't give them to you. Why would they do that? So today in Open Counseling is Open Counseling's Insider's Guide to Therapy, we're gonna discuss why won't my therapist tell me what to do? Is there some sort of crazy hidden logic behind that? What are they hoping for? And is it really for the best? As always, Stephanie Harrison is here with me today. Yeah, good intro, Mark. And I, I think that that's a good place to start, that people, so many people, I've seen this online and in conversation, people think therapists know the answers to everything and just aren't telling them. Gosh. And they think that, like, their therapists, like, their therapist silence or their therapist responding with a question is just some sort of game. It's like some sort of cat and mouse game. And that the therapist really could just, like, in one session, just give them all the answers they want and... and there's just some weird reason a therapist won't do that. So hopefully we can kind of debunk that myth a little bit today, it, that therapists secretly know all. I mean, I guess what, what suddenly comes to mind is the idea of, say, like a, a math teacher at school, you know, who gives you this problem and they know the answer, but they're teaching you. But like there's the sense with the therapist, well, they know the answer. Are they just trying to teach me until eventually I arrive at the answer they already know? Um, so it can be really infuriating. It can be really infuriating. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there are rare cases where that's true. Well, I, I would say that a therapist never truly knows the answer because life is complicated. And most of the things you bring to a therapist are very complex and there's more than one way to look at them. There's more than one valid way to deal with them. But I do think there are times that a therapist has some ideas about what's going on and they're not going to blurt that out because encouraging you to go through the process of self-discovery is so much more helpful. And we'll get more into that. Um, but a lot of the times the therapist doesn't have the answer at all. They're as mystified as you. Yeah, exactly. And I always think if it's most people who walk into a therapist's office have a competent mind. They can think through things. And if they haven't figured out the answer, it's probably not an easy answer to find. There's a, probably a lot of hidden complexity to, to this problem. Because if it was an easy problem and it's a smart person, they would have solved it long ago. There's usually something right. else going on. And, and I think a lot of therapy is about bringing to the surface the, um, the kind of hidden complexities and the trade-offs and what's causing people to maybe have limited vision or um, not be able to figure something else, figure it out. And often um, it might be because it's a repetitive pattern in the life, but there's usually something else going on. And therapy is a lot about figuring out what the, that else going on is. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, a therapist approach is often you know, when you're with your friends or, or your partner or family member or whoever, and you're problem solving with them, they're helping you solve your problem. You're helping them solve your, you're, you're just making a beeline. What, what is the immediate solution we can find here? 
And in therapy, it's different because they, they are, they're wanting to like pull other things out to the surface. They're not just wanting to ignore everything else and run to the finish line of like, let's solve this problem because, you know, that's not really what therapy is about. I mean, therapy does have a component of problem solving, but most of the deeper healing you do in therapy actually comes from like getting away from that problem solving mindset, at least for a little while. Like you've got to like, sometimes you got to make things more messy and you got to make things more complicated. You got to get all that stuff out there in the air where you can see it and look at it before you see how it all comes together instead of just trying to push away everything, you know, because problem solving is very linear. Yeah. I've got this one problem. What's the quickest path to solving it? When you're trying to heal something deep in your psyche, it's not a straight line. You know, there's there's this informing it and that informing it. And the reason you have this pattern is a little bit of what happened to you in your childhood and a little bit of what happened five years ago and just a little bit of your temperament. And the more you kind of open up all these different things and look at them, the more you get a fuller picture of maybe why you're going through this over and over again. So to some extent, I think therapy is a process of deconstruction at first before it's building stuff back up. And I think that's so true. Um, I, I think the desire for advice that solves the problem is trying to get around that or, or hoping for right. an end run around the difficulty and complexity and the difficult feelings and the breaking things down into to their components. Um, so, so it's a wish, but I, I think it's, a, it's also a very understandable wish because I think at some level, everyone who comes to a therapist is saying, I can solve this problem by myself. You're an expert at these things. Can you help me solve it? And, and I think often as a therapist, you have to try catch the, the desire to solve it and, and um, you, know, you know, in a way, help teach patients and show people the underlying reasons for the problem because... It, you know, people come with a strong desire to have the problem solved. They wouldn't be at your office if they didn't want the problem solved at some level, you know. Right. And I mean, I think sometimes what happens in therapy is, you know, the, the pitfalls of our, we're very good in our modern, fast-paced society at solving, like, specific concrete problems. Okay, I've solved this problem. I've hit this goal. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next. Let's go to the next. But the problem with the stuff that comes up in therapy is um, you can solve an immediate situation in that way but often what we bring to therapy like you pointed out a while ago is things that are you know recirculate things that we come back to patterns that we're living out it's not just that we have this one problem in this one relationship right now it's that every relationship we're ever in we have this problem it's not just that we're in one bad job right now that we have to make a decision about it's that every job ends up feeling like this why so Actually using problem-solving logic, A to B mind, bypasses the work you need to do to solve the cyclical issue. Like it solves the, you can solve the immediate issue with all these like, you know, step-by-step concrete things you can do. But figuring out why you keep getting pulled back into this psychologically just takes a different approach. And I think that's really important. So um, what happens is that people want help and they, they kind of see a specific issue and if you address just the specific issue in a way you're kind of wasting time and delaying the inevitable of, of taking care of the underlying issue that, that you know right. often specific issues are are just like the tip of the iceberg there's a, a very big iceberg and this is the most prominent aspect that's causing some distress there's always kind of distress around a problem 
but they they have kind of deeper roots within us that really need to to be got to in order to fundamentally solve the problem in the present and also the future yeah and you know there's I think that the thing is there's no like one strategy that therapists use with people. You know, it's not just a matter of like the different methods they use, but like there is just this overall sort of pattern in therapy where you, you've kind of got to just spend some time, maybe even in the beginning, like when the bigger the issue you're digging into, there's going to be a period of time where you feel a little lost where you're just exploring. You're just, I mean, I think therapy sometimes, there's times in therapy where you're like, this isn't working, nothing's happening, this is so frustrating, but it's sometimes just being able to be in that and to be able to be with the stuff you're normally trying to avoid that kind of opens some doors to allow you to start changing these larger patterns in your life. Yeah, and which, you know, brings me to the point of kind of being able to hold that frustrating their frustration because when someone is coming to the therapist for solutions which is a very natural normal thing to do and the therapist is is kind of creating in a way kind of playing for time and saying like well let's try understand this at a deeper level let's see what's going on here um you know and often therapists are are honest and they'll say i don't actually have the solution to that but my thought is if we understand it at a deeper level we can make some progress on that there's a lot of having to to hold that frustration hold the distress of having a problem we don't have a solution to right now and and that in and of itself is a really important life skill that we are not in any other way encouraged to develop in our culture Which is a great point because it's so, um, life is full of of problems. Life is full of frustrations. Life is full of conundrums that we haven't solved. Um, But being able to linger and stay with problems in their incomplete status allows us to to actually solve more problems in a way in the end because we're not just um, addressing those that can be instantly resolved. We, we have an ability to work on things gradually over time. Yeah, and I think that some of the, you know, worst decisions or, you know, biggest mistakes we all make in life are just not, oh, I'm so tired, I'm just going to impulsively do whatever comes to me to do in this moment of just being at peak frustration, um, you know, and learning how to be... with that frustration can give you just a little more internal resources to not just react to try to make the frustration go away. Because I think some of what we're getting at in in this article and with this topic is that do people really want someone to just tell them what to do? I think a lot of us, some of us, our personalities are like, no one better ever tell me what to do. But you know, a lot of us sit around thinking, God, if only someone would just was just there who could like lean and say this is what you do right now we would love that but I think what we're really wanting is to get away from the anxiety of making a mistake the anxiety of making the wrong decision or the wrong choice and this is where therapy kicks in because our anxiety about making a mistake or making the wrong choice isn't really directly proportional to how good our choices are. You know, we can have those insecurities or that lack of self-confidence for a lot of reasons. So when we dig in in therapy into what causes us not to trust ourselves and what we can work on so that we can trust ourselves more, 
you know, it's a lot. What we really want is just to be able to trust our own decision making process, to trust our intuition, to trust our reason, to trust whatever internal tools we're using. Because at the end of the day, you've got to make your own decisions. You know, life is is multiple choice. Most of the time, there's not just one way to do something. And I think it's so much what we really want is just to be like, I feel so good about the decisions I'm making. Yeah. That's what we really want. Yeah. And and that's where a therapist can kind of be with you through that process of what's it like sitting there um, looking at all these options and, and feeling some anxiety. Do option A, option B, and option C. And then what would it mean if you chose option B and it turns out option A was the best? Could we survive that? Could we process the feelings or would it be catastrophic? And to develop some resilience around making decisions and approaching life with, you know, it's always uncertain because decisions are about the future and you literally can't know whether it's the right one before you've made it. That's something you have to see and then either be happy about or disappointed, but to develop some resilience where we don't retreat from that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, so many of us, we make decisions like, I feel like one of the things that therapy always goes toward, and I mean, I'm a big believer in this, is that we all have something in us that's wise, that's there from the beginning, and we just need to figure out how to access it. And a lot of the journey of therapy, I think, is what blocks you from trusting your own inner wisdom. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons that you might have strong inclinations to pick a certain path, but you don't out of some kind of anxiety or self-doubt. And sometimes that's, you know, when you've been really beat down, you know, when you were younger by your peers or by parents. And no matter what you did, it seemed like someone always thought it was wrong. You go around carrying that burden. Or, you know, you you have some issue where, um, you know, you've developed some degree of self-loathing or, or there's something in yourself you don't like and you don't know why. There's just so many reasons that you might have some part of you that goes, oh, this is what we should do. And then you second guess it and then you push it away. And therapy kind of helps you get in there and figure out like why there's part of you that knows what they, and that's another thing is that sometimes decisions aren't as about what we should do, but what you want to do. And I think more people are blocked around that than anything else. Like, is it okay for me to want Mm. this? Is it okay for me to choose to do what I want? You know, some of us are locked into relationships where we don't feel like we have permission to do what we want. We have to put someone else's needs first or whatever. And, and therapy just throws you into all this stuff so you can figure out why aren't you, you know, comfortable making a, a choice or a decision for yourself because there's a lot of static and a lot of things that can, can block you from well, that. Well, I think that that's a great example there because what you're talking about is um, often when people come and they, they want advice what to do, it's because they can hear some of the voices in the head in their head, but not others. So they may hear the voice of what I should do, what others want me to do, but not be able mm-hmm. to hear their own voice. Or maybe sometimes it's the opposite. They just are hearing what I want to do and not other people's voices about that. You know, like, I want to go take lots of drugs, but maybe sometimes you should think about other people's voices or whether that's a good decision or not. And so therapy helps you kind of sit there and listen to all the voices. And some of them are quiet because they're subconscious or you've never really thought about them or haven't been brought to the surface. But you're suddenly given a richer palette um, where you can make decisions um, more thoughtfully and consciously with more more, um, information at your disposal. 
Yeah, and I think all this kind of circles back around to one of these main points that we make here, which is that your therapist most of the time really doesn't know the answer. Your therapist doesn't know what you should do. Now, your therapist might know what you want to do. Therapists are, are better at kind of figuring out what people want, you know. Shoulds are often kind of artificial anyway, but this idea that your therapist is sitting on this clear answer to your problem and just trying to play some game with you until you figure out what they're thinking, it's like, no, it's like you have to make this decision for yourself because there's multiple valid ways that you could decide to go forward about something. And your therapist wants you to go through the process that allows you to find the one that's right for you because it's not always going to be the right answer for everyone. And I think, again, going back, it's so important to bring up an important part of the phrase, why won't my therapist just tell me what to do, is the idea that your therapist sadistically knows the answer and is just not giving it to you. And, and um, it, it, it's a very negative um, implied relationship, which is an understandable thought. You know, because you go there and they're so wise and all they do is think about life 24-7. They probably got a couple of certificates up in the wall that show how fancy and clever they are. And so why wouldn't they just not tell me? And so if people are, are leaving the session thinking, man, my therapist just, you know, has the answer right there. They got the ice cream in the box and they just won't share. You know, um, it, it's not a it implies a, a very kind of negative thing that your therapist is doing and it's worth exploring this topic. Yeah, you know, and not everything in therapy goes back to your parents, but some things do, you know, and if you had a parent that was very withholding or sadistic, you know, you, you, you know, see other people that are in that position relative to you as possibly being the same way. But it's interesting to me because I feel like there's these two competing myths about therapists that people seem to hold at the same time. One is that therapists are all-knowing and they're people who know all the secrets to life. That's why they're therapists. They just know they've got it all nailed down. They know how relationships work. They're good at relationships. They're good at life. They're good at everything. They're here to just tell you all. And then the other hand is people are like, therapists are more messed up than anybody else. The reason therapists go into that field is because they're trying to work through their own issues, you know. And the, and the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know, like most therapists are drawn to therapy because there's something they want to work through in themselves, too. But they're not, on average, more messed up, in quotes, than, you know, the average person. Um, but they certainly are not life gurus. Like, here's a secret. No one is. Anyone, like, that puts themselves in that position, like, I know the secrets to life and I'm going to tell you. Like, usually there's a price tag on it because usually it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so so therapists are neither experts at life, nor are they so messed up that that they just don't have anything, you know, sorted out in their own lives. You know, they're they're doing the same thing we all are. You know, they're 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 working their way through it. And, and therapy is just a way to help you do this thing that we've all ultimately got to do, which is work through until we figure out what works for us. Um, it's a really interesting conversation because those two positions you describe, one is my therapist has all the answers and one is my therapist has, you know, is completely screwed up, are both kind of different ways that people deal with vulnerability. Um, mm. I think you walk in there and you really need someone and you need some help, you're going through something hard, we, we like to believe that the person sitting in front of us can solve our problems. And in, in a way, um, it's a very normal human thing that when we're feeling small, we seek out someone big. 
You know, if I don't know, right. I need someone who extra knows everything so I can feel safe and looked after. And they're disappointed that that doesn't turn out to be. Um, on the other end of the, the spectrum, um, kind of needing someone that much can be really scary. And so instead of admitting our need, we say, therapists are stupid. They're messed up themselves. They don't know anything. Mm -hmm. and, and then we don't have to be aware of how much we might need another. And they're kind of both flip sides of, of the same coin. Um, reality is somewhere in between. Therapists know some. They don't know much. They're kind of screwed up because we all are, and they're kind of put together because we all are. A and finding a way back into the center is a big part of the healing process. Yeah, and, and what you're getting at, too, brings up another important point around this question, which is, you know, dealing with dependency issues. Um, you know, part of why therapists don't just want to sit there and give you answers is, A, it's anti-therapeutic. That's not how you heal, just having someone give you the answers. But they also are very wary of not wanting to create this dependency on them. Because even though, you know, some people go see the same therapist for a long time and it's wonderful, but there's still this idea that at the end of the day, you're hoping to get to the point where you can graduate from therapy, where you don't need to be in therapy anymore, at least not for this particular issue or not for this particular time in your life. And so a therapist is like working toward giving you the tools that you can carry within yourself. Um, but still, you know, some degree of dependency is, is healthy, and but we all have so many feelings around it that are so complicated and and that's part of therapy in and of itself is exploring how the different ways we all deal with vulnerability you know some of us lean hard into it and just want to find that person that we can depend on who will tell us what to do some of us are like dead opposite where I I'd lay down and die before I like leaned on anybody else that hard and you know there's a whole range in between but yeah that's part of therapy is figuring out where you fall and and how you deal with that this is great because i actually hadn't thought about it before we started our podcast but the phrase why won't my therapist just tell me what to do it's all in there like all the yeah. the desire for dependencies and it's frustrated that desire for dependency because this person is mad at their therapist when they say, why won't my therapist just tell me what to do? They're angry because they're not getting the dependency need met, need met there. Um, it really does bring all of this to the surface. And it, it seems, um, you know, I guess in a way that that's the, the stuff that therapy is made of, especially sort of any sort of in-depth therapy is exploring the whole theme of dependency 24-7, it's one of the most important aspects of human nature, and it's so important to how we relate to the world, how our intimate relationships are, the quality of our intimate relationships, and so right here is the goods, right here is the, the, the stuff that, that is worth exploring. Yeah, absolutely, and just, you know, figuring out, you know, why, you know, why you're looking for that and what you're looking for. You know, again, it's one of those things, not everything in therapy goes back to your childhood and your parents. Some things do. And this is one of those things that, that very, you know, it's like, this is a point where you're kind of relating to your therapist the way that probably younger you related to your parents. And the feelings we have around dependency tend to be generated from childhood and our relationship with our parents, of course. So, you know, the extent to which your parents were accommodating, you know, did you have parents that coddled you? 
that um, kind of did everything for you? Did you have parents that just kind of left you on your own to figure it all out for yourself? Did you have parents who were constantly criticizing you or telling you you were wrong? Did you have parents who told you you were always right? You know, all that's going to play into, you know, how you approach the world and your sense of yourself and how you're going to relate to your therapist. And so figuring that out can kind of give you some answers as to, you know, ultimately one of the end goals of therapy is if there's something, if there's a way that you are or something you go through repeatedly because of something that happened to you in the past, there is a way to not just be kind of the victim of that for the rest of your life. You can, you can get back deep enough into a part of yourself where you can actually start to make choices about, do I want to continue approaching life this way? Or is there another way to go about it? Can I find the self-confidence and realize maybe I don't need to always look for someone to tell me what to do, that I actually know better what I need to do for me than anyone else does, you know? And so therapy can kind of take you on that journey of empowerment. And, and, that's one of the um, wonderful ways that therapy works, um, which is I always thinking of it as a kid who can't read, reach the cookie jar and is hoping to find something to climb on or someone to fetch the cookie jar. But in therapy, you, you, you actually help the, the, the kid grow up so they can reach the cookie jar themselves. I like that. But yeah. it takes a couple of years. Like growing up so you can really reach the cookie jar yourself takes a couple of years. And, and therapy is a slow process, but it's a different kind of growth. It's a different way of approaching right. problems. Um, the other metaphor I often think about is that um, we're all kind of like little saplings. And in order for a sapling to grow, it needs light it needs good quality soil it needs water and, and therapy kind of provides these things that help the sapling grow it's the sapling doing the growing but it's the therapy and the therapist providing the ingredients to to allow the sapling to become a, a great tree um yeah and i i mean those are great metaphors and i think i would i would extend them in that like especially with the uh, you know the kid growing up to be tall enough so they can reach the cookie jar, you know, we grow by default to a certain extent through life without even trying. But, but the, in therapy, it's possible to like stay that little kid forever. Like if you don't mm. deal with whatever it is, yeah. you can stay, you know, three feet tall or whatever forever and never grow where, you know, so, so it's not like, oh, if I just wait it out, I'll get there anyway. Like there's some ways that we can be stuck for a long time if we don't go to therapy or do something about it. And that's the cool thing is that we might feel really stuck in life. We might feel like I'm never going to reach that cookie jar, but then we finally start doing something and like one thing clicks for us and we get a little growth spurt and another thing. And before we know it, like, oh my God, I'm almost there. Mm -hmm. From that point where you can spend years, like, I've never reached the cookie jar. But you can. <laughs> you can. <laughs> and I, I think inherent in that is if the therapist is giving you the cookie jar constantly, there's no reason to grow. There's no reason to grow. Right. And, and so out of this frustration of not being handed the cookie jar, like, they're, they're, it impels growth. It, it, it forces the person to grow and encourages the growth. And one of the most valuable things that a therapist can do is is to help people with that frustration and to mm -hmm. instill within them a belief that through this frustration is going to come 
the good stuff, whatever that looks like, the solutions to the problem that we probably can't conceptualize right now because often the, the solutions come in very unusual forms that, that cannot be imagined with um, the current state of thinking. I think, was it Albert Einstein? Forgive me for misquoting, for, for misquoting you, Albert Einstein. It's something like you, you can't solve the problem using the language which was around when it was created. Yeah, that sounds about right. right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that kind of segues into kind of one of the last things we touch on in this article, which is, so if a therapist's job isn't just to tell you what to do, what does a therapist actually do? And I think like what you just pointed out is so important in that, you know, again, most of the time therapist doesn't even have answers to begin with. Sometimes they might have an idea, but they're, they're not just going to blurt that out because that doesn't help you grow. But they're also not just going to abandon you. They're not just going to stand back in silence and watch you reach for the cookie jar and collapse in the floor and cry. Like the whole point is like a therapist is there to embrace you and help you so that you're not going through this alone, you know, because these places we go through in ourselves are very difficult. And um, this is just one of many aspects of therapy. But one of the aspects of the therapy is the therapist is there with you. A therapist is creating what they call a holding environment where you feel safe. You feel like you can experiment and try different things and be seen and do all these things with someone that you trust who, you know, they use the, the phrase unconditional positive regard in therapy, meaning that a therapist, you know, therapists have opinions and sometimes therapists think, oh, I wish they wouldn't do that or whatever. But they have this ultimate stance where they see you in terms of your potential. They see you in terms of the goodness in you. And so to be with somebody who orients themselves toward you that way creates an environment where you're not alone. You're not just like someone's not just maliciously, sadistically watching you struggle. Like they're in the struggle with you. They're giving you tools that can help you get through the struggle so that it doesn't hurt as much so that you're not as alone. So, you know, a lot of the things therapists do are to kind of like help you get through that process of internal growth that can be so challenging at times. I think that's great. And that's probably a good place to, to start wrapping up on. Um, we have a wonderful article on the website written by Stephanie called Why Won't My Therapist Tell Me What to Do? Just go to the Open Counseling homepage and, and probably just do a search would be the easiest. Um, and it's going to go through everything we discussed today, but in way more detail. Um, each of the, the particular reasons a therapist doesn't do that, as well as importantly, a great section on how it does how do therapists actually help you solve a problem? If it's not going to be a direct kind of giving clients the solution in one neat package, how is the actual therapy work to help people with their problems? Because in the end, therapy is a big part of therapy is helping people with their problems. So there is some way that we get there. It's just a very, very unusual route. And, and it's um, often much more complex than one can imagine when one starts out. So please, please um, go take a look at that article. It's going to really help. And so with that, hopefully it, it's been an interesting exploration. I guess I say it's an exploration because with all of these things, there are no answers. There are no simple things that come out the end that this is the reason and this is what we should do. But this podcast is a little like therapy, which I think is a lot like life. Um, so I hope it's all given you some 
information to chew on, given you a different approach to think about things that you've been thinking about and will help expand your thought, which I, I think is a big part of what we are doing here. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to speaking next week.